Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We closed last week as we were beginning to look at another of what Shanti Feldon calls a surprising secret of highly happy marriages, namely that highly happy couples have factual fantasies. How loving the art of the possible makes your marriage stronger. You know, when expectations just aren't feasible, clinging to that specific ideal of who our partner should be and what they should be able to do actually prevents the ideal relationship that we are longing for. Now, don't get me wrong. I think we should have great expectations of our spouse, just like they should be able to have great expectations of us but they need to be realistic. We are simply foolish to be upset because our spouse didn't do the emotional equivalent of running a four-minute mile. In a culture that seems to put such a high value on storybook romances, we also have to be sure to focus on and celebrate how things work between real men and women in life. So how does this play out? Well, it doesn't seem to matter whether our expectations are of the big systemic patterns or about the little day-to-day stuff of life. Realism about both are equally important for day-to-day contentment. Let's listen in on a conversation Shanti had with a highly happy couple. She asked, In your experience, if you had to pick one thing that is most likely to make couples unhappy, what would it be? He answered, hands down, it is unrealistic expectations. And she added, no question. We tell people, you have subtle expectations from childhood when you were seeing yourself as a princess married to a prince. You think, he's going to do this and this and this. And then when he doesn't, you have resentment. For example, when I grew up, I saw my dad do things that I assumed all men do, like mowing the lawn and washing the car once a week. I never thought about it, but I had those expectations whether I realized it or not. So, when that didn't happen, it posed problems for me. I began to take it personally. He continued, But in my family, we never owned a car. We were poor. That was a source of contention. I couldn't believe she was that serious about her car being washed every week. Or I would take the car to get the oil changed and she would say, We can save money if you do it. But I knew nothing about cars. And I had expectations too, but they were totally different. My expectations of her, honestly, was that once we got married, we would make love every single day. I thought it would be really frequent, and she would feel like that all the time. She said, Needless to say, we had some reality checks early on in our marriage. They went on to say that one of the main secrets to stepping into a great marriage is allowing those reality checks to happen and being willing to adjust one's expectations. Another thing that Shanti found in her interviews was that the highly happy couples don't just avoid unrealistic expectations about what their mate should deliver. They also help their mates out 
by explaining what they need. Many expectations go unmet, not because the other person can't do something, but because they didn't know to do something. Many of the less-than-happy spouses Shanti spoke with seemed to think that it didn't count if they had to tell their spouses what they needed. But highly happy couples totally disagreed. As one highly happy husband advised, It's okay to explain what you want to your spouse. It doesn't lessen the meaningfulness of the act simply because you ask for it. Your partner wants to make you happy. If you make him guess and he gets it wrong, you aren't being fair to him. It's as if you are testing him and almost guaranteeing he'll lose the test. Don't assume he just knows what you need. One very practical wife put it this way, Why should I be upset when I didn't get what I wanted for my birthday when I didn't tell him? He would always get me cards and roses. He thought I liked that. So I finally told him, I don't like cards, and I don't like roses. But I do like plants that I can plant in my garden that come back every year that I can look at and think, He got me that this year or that year. And so every year he now gets me a plant and I have a whole garden full of memories. Ultimately, the happiest couples demonstrate that the main solution to avoiding unrealistic expectations is to focus not on what you wish your spouse would change, but on what you can change. One happy wife of 60 years told Shanti, There are a lot of people who blame the other person for not doing what they should do rather than realizing that the only person you can change is yourself. We tell people you don't give 50-50, you give 100%, which means sometimes you give in, you adjust your expectations, you uplift the other, you refuse to believe that the other person is undercutting you, you are glad for what your spouse can give instead of pouting over what they can't. There are no magic guarantees, but this does seem to be God's way of doing it. And giving up your expectations and your rights usually results in getting back the love you wanted all along. The happiest couples take what might seem like the foolish risk of adjusting their expectations to be more factual and adjusting their focus toward what they themselves need to do differently but what they receive in return is much more contentment, much less conflict, and a stronger, deeper love. Who wouldn't say the exchange was worth it? So, how about your relationship? Have you had any expectations, conversations? Or do you think that, if they love me, they'd already know? Well, now let's look at another of what Shanti calls a surprising secret of highly happy marriages. Namely, that highly happy couples use sign language. How a silly signal of reconnection can bypass hurt and bring reassurance. Think about this. In many ways, couples that are experiencing hurt feelings and anger are like porcupines. How does a couple get close again in such a situation? Well, the porcupine answer is, very carefully. We've all found ourselves in one of those prickly situations. 
Right when we most need to give or receive reassurance that whatever upset we're experiencing now will not create the beginning of a problem in our marriages, we can't safely speak to each other. In fact, maybe we can't even stand to be in the same room. So what do we do? How do we keep from being one of those couples that just tends to hope that the pricklies will get better tomorrow? And yet, even when they are, it feels like there's more distance than before. Shanti found that highly happy couples have instinctively come up with a powerful little solution. Here's what one highly happy couple told Shanti about a fracas that they had a few nights before. Each had hurt feelings and they endured a frosty silence for about four or five hours. Listen in on what they said happened next. She said, So then he came upstairs, and we touched pinkies, and I told him, Shanti said, Wait, you what? She said, looking embarrassed, uh, We touched pinkies. You see, we have this thing. When we're irritated with each other, after a while one of us will come over, and tentatively stick one pinky out. If the other person goes, Oh, all right, and touches pinky's back, then we're okay. He said, Sometimes we offer an elbow if it's been a really bad fight. She said, Or sometimes the other person will actually say, I'm not there yet. And it's like, Okay, we can wait. But more often than not, we go ahead and touch pinkies, and that's it. We're fine. Shanti, well, what happens next? Do you apologize? Do you talk? He said, well, sometimes. But touching pinkies is sort of the apology, I guess. We're reconnecting. I never thought about it before. But regardless of whether we acknowledge the issue at all, that's what we're doing. Shanti's research showed that soon after a conflict and hurt feelings, most highly happy couples use a unique, small gesture to reconnect. A word or action that may seem completely meaningless or even silly to an outside observer. And yet, to the two of them, it speaks volumes, providing a familiar path of letting go, to forgiveness after conflict, and to starting over again right. There's something very important here that I don't want you to miss. We're not talking here about resolving the disagreement. It still may be most definitely unresolved. Instead, Shanti is talking about a kind of lover's bypass, a way around all that conflict stuff that gets right to the heart of the relationship and gives it a sort of reassuring hug. The secret of highly happy couples is this. When highly happy couples inevitably experience hurt feelings and conflict, they will at some point mutually reconnect by sharing a private signal that says, we're okay. Shanti says that whether or not couples did reconnect in this way, everyone seemed to have the need to reconnect, to have the feeling that we're back to being okay. Well, our time is gone for today. I want to invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, or if the time is inconvenient, you can go to my website, 
mutualunderstanding.net and click on the Mum Live tab to view the recorded teachings. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.